The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. It's episode 101, Scott. Somehow less climactic. Yeah. Episode 100 was a great show. That was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for coming back. <laughs> and just cool that we've been on for, what, 15 years now? Is that right? Seems a little light. I think it's 20. Okay, 20 yeah. years. 20 years on the show. Veteran. <laughs> Eat it, Adam Carolla. <laughs> yeah. Suck it, Carolla. <laughs> it's that time. The sour on the brewing net. I love Corolla. Uh, I'm your host Jay. It's brewing Network Studios in downtown Concord. Here with uh, Bevo, who's sticking it out. Actually, thanks for thanks, sticking Bevo. around, Beaver. Yeah. Maybe we should even do a she more. Waves. Should we do a more information in this episode to make sure she oh, stays? Oh, she just she looked a little pale just now. That's not unusual. Shut up. <laughs> I don't have any information to give you. You never do. Exactly. Okay, cool. Rude. By the way, uh, from the last show, we teased it out, but Justin did miss his doctor's appointment. Yeah, he decided he was too drunk to go. Wasn't a real doctor. And Whoa. <laughs> it's a doctor. I know. I'm just kidding. Anyway. The the, the levels of irony there that he was too drunk to go is particular. <laughs> I'm sure he sure won't mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he won't mind that I said that. <laughs> It's totally fine. Uh, we're here with uh, the guys from Ruben's Brews. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Also, uh, Chris from Oregon Fruit, one of our all-time great sponsors. Hey, Chris. Howdy. Thank you. Oh, you want glasses now? No. Hey, oh, those are taking old man off. glasses. Thank okay. You. Sorry. Taking them off. Top of the show stuff. Don't call us because our phone lines have been disconnected. There are no phones. But, uh, you know, obviously donate to the Brewing Network because of that fact. Uh, <laughs> join us in the chat. Yeah. Bevo's still here. Feedback during the week. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. You can watch us at thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. Listen live on the Brewing Network app. Search BM Mobile in your search bars and such. Subscribe and leave feedback on Apple Podcast or wherever you get this show. And we don't have another feedback, but we should get, we didn't get a rejoiner last time. That's true. So maybe does anyone have like a song they're really into right now? We could do it later in the show as a rejoiner. You guys know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? So it's like, throw out a song you like. Yeah, yeah. just throw it out. Uh, Morrissey. Maybe not. <laughs> Morrissey, what song? The title of the song is Maybe Not. Yeah. <laughs> heaven, heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Oh, let's check this out. Let's play it, Scott. That's, that's perfect for listening to the Sour Hour. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jay, you want to do the... Uh, I would I would let it play through... Kick Out 107.7. This is Morrissey. I don't remember the song title. <laughs> This is a, this is also very on brand for you. <laughs> In a restaurant. I was looking for a job and then I found a job. Alright, I'll keep that. I'll keep it that. Makes me want to drink. Put a little more. A little more. 
<laughs> and more on what a drink. Look at this freaking guy. He's had a central casting. <laughs> Beautiful shirt. Oh, look at that move. We're watching. This is the official music video. He's got a falsetto, though. And balloons. All right, yeah, this this should be the rejoiner. <laughs> this part. Give me a welcome back to the Sour Hour. That's us. Aww, oh, two you guys. And we're back. <laughs> we never left. Two lovers and twine. Back in the Sour Hour. Scott and Bebo. No. No. <laughs> Bebo wishes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is. Uh-huh. Oh, oh no! Yeah. Oh yeah! Yeah! All right, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can be honest. <laughs> yeah, but, I like it. Uh, I want to hit a quick sponsor off the top. I mean, good friend, WineandHop.com, locally owned and operated for over forty years. Most items are going to ship within twenty four hours, and if they don't. <laughs> They'll be hell to pay. <laughs> BN listeners get $8 flat shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds. Enter BN shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart. Discount's going to be taken off after checkout. And Madison Residence, which we had a, a Wisconsin question earlier, so maybe you should be this person to go to Working Draft Beer Company. You order your homebrew supplies online at wineandhop.com. Pick them up at Working Draft Beer Company, located on Wilson Street, right across from Central Park. They're going to waive shipping and give you half off your first beer. So I just assume you're going to order a keg, wineandhop.com. All right, we're back. We have more beer with Ruben Spruce. And this, I think I overheard, was boysenberry and what? Blackberry. Awesome. The same beer, just with different fruit. Is that right? As the the guava one. Yes. Another Britannia. Yes, the Britannia is a series that's going to... To have the same so base British. dish. So British. <laughs> Heaven knows I'm miserable. Go Spurs. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I threw yeah, yeah. off the rails. <laughs> you did, you did, yeah. Um, yeah, we've just been talking about Tottenham a lot. So Yeah, so Britannia is a series that's going to show different fruits on, on essentially the same base beer. We we started this the, the beer in two separate um, punchins, and now we've scaled it to a 30-barrel footer so we can get more... Um, yeah, show more examples of different fruits. This was actually the first first mm-hmm. one we did. The guava was the Very second first, one. Yeah. yeah, this was the first. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. The first beer we released from our Oak Age Sour program, and it won at uh, the NABA, which is kind of nice, nice, um, nice recognition for the first first beer that we, we did. I mean, we like it. I think this is a lot more. <laughs> yeah, we liked it and they liked it, so that's good. I mean, it's fine, you know. That's what. Fair to Midland. Yeah. <laughs> it's so different than the guava beer. It's so different. It's I experienced. Oh, wow, it, I disagree. Really, I experienced it as way less acidic. I would have no idea this was from the same like lineup of. I would. You would. So moving on. <laughs> no, I think there's really? like uh, a high carb, a dryness, but still a lot of the fruit character shines through. I think. If you want to say it's more acidic, I think maybe that has a lot to do with the fruit. The guava, yeah. But I think the base seems like I could definitely tell if we didn't pour this and I knew what the bottle was, you know, where the bottle was from, I would be like, it's from the same brew. No kidding. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Uh, I think they're they're uh, fairly similar in, in character, but um, obviously it's like guava and, and blackberries are two very different fruits. But um, there's like an underlying character that's part of the whole Britannia series that I think mm-hmm. is there for sure. 
Definitely. And don't forget the boys and berries. Oh, well, definitely. of course. <laughs> because I and Chris, go ahead and steal this if you want. But I say that boys and berries are the taste like chicken of berries. Because they mm-hmm. all... Generic they taste, berry flavor? Take, well, not generic. Just like they remind everyone of... Something. Something oh, else. Interesting. Yeah, totally. So I think marketing a berry being chicken-like would be would be great for your business. <laughs> so. I love chicken, Jay. You know that. Aseptic chicken. It's a pure expression of the raw chicken. Free range boysenberries, my friend. Free range. No, the one thing I will say is the color is glorious. You guys oh, did yeah. an amazing job of ext- extracting color. But boysenberries are the hidden gem in our p- portfolio. Actually, nobody thinks about boysenberries because most people don't know what they are. It's a mistake. It, it's, I, it, and I was joking about that, the, the the chicken thing. But I really, I feel that way because we made an all boysenberry beer with the Oregon fruit boysenberry puree. And that's those were the comments we got back. Oh, strawberry, blackberry, blueberry, raspberry. And it's just like, well, it's boysenberry. And people ask me even, it's like, so what does boysenberry taste like? And then I tell them it tastes like chicken. Yeah, it's <laughs> like chicken. I just say put it in your mouth. What? Okay. Seriously. We'll cut that out. <laughs> No, Scott, Scott is feverishly cutting <laughs> that out. I just say put it in your mouth. I just Seriously, I've never mouth. seen Scott move that fast. He He's was quick. like, oh, He's go. quick. You haven't seen me goaltend, Bebo. I just say put it in your mouth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's got me saying worse at poker tonight. <laughs> All in. Go, go. I have a, another one of these like, oh, what if I do this with my whole barrel program questions? Let's say you're making any fruit adjunct. Adding some boysenberry in there just to add a layer of complexity. Like, it's still going to taste like a peach whatever, but there's some sort of layer there that you don't know. How does that strike you? Peach and boysenberry? Well, yeah. Like, in other words, just adding boysenberries in with whatever other dominant sure fruit that the you're... the peach boys is taken, but... <laughs> the, the pe- oh, my God, that's genius. I love it. Genius! But, but Jay's saying, on the record right there. I love it. Peach boys. Now, what, what if you were not even going to brand it as such? Like, you, you were still just going to call it your a nectarine... Boysenberry mint beer, boys to mint. Go on. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. He's on a roll. Treasure you're fired, Jay. Jesus. Holy moly. Those are new brands, this I swear. Too. Somebody's going to take those. I just say put it in your mouth. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Do not use that. <laughs> But, but you know what I'm saying? You, you call it your, you know, it's nectarine sour beer, but it just tastes extra complex because there's 5% I, boysenberries I, I, I in would, there. I would, it's a good question. I think boysenberry is almost like a return to the mean. So you have what I would consider sour, uh, so fruits that you want to use in sour beer on one, let me just say, acidic side of the spectrum or another. So I think peach, I think... Depending on the crop, blueberry, maybe boysenberry, blackberry are on like the little less sour side, more sour side. Oh, wait, let me add one more to the other side. Uh, mango, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then other side, more acidic, passion fruit, raspberry. Uh, blackcurrant. Blackcurrant. Cranberry. For sure. Cranberry. Yeah. It's just inherent in those fruits. So... I think kind of knowing those polar opposites is good. You can balance them out with each other. And, you know, you can make some good combinations in there. I mean, again, I, it's not the live read. The Oregon fruit makes it easy <laughs> for that. Like, you, you really can just do, like, the Peach Boys, and that'd be a good so beer. Good. I mean, that that's a good beer, mm-hmm. for sure, and a good name. I, I think the idea of layering flavor is, is what we all think of all the time, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's with fruits, with this beer, it's, 
it makes sense, I think. But, um, you know, even in the, we haven't talked about the grist here, but it's a rustic saison, so it's got some rye, wheat, mm-hmm. it's got oats in as well, I think. Um, so, so it's got, we're getting layers of flavor in from different, different drivers, and that's what we do throughout all the beers, right? The one before, I think guava itself gives us that, that peppery and that tropical piece. It's, it's balancing itself and then working with the bread as well. But that's why we have a, a blend of, of two different breads primarily, just to play with, with layers, you know, and give complexity. And we talked about this a little bit before, but what, what constitutes the entirety of your sour beer program from the kind of Goza-style beer to this barrel age? Yeah, so um, when we start, started uh, with the Goza, we, we didn't have a, a separate location to sort of keep everything else, all the clean beers safe. Um, so we, what was that, two, two and a bit years ago, we got a separate warehouse um, mm-hmm. that we could, could keep, keep our Oakage program in. Right now we have about 60 wine barrels in that. We have 230-barrel 230 230 barrel footers from footer crafters, which are awesome. And then we have an, a number of like transfer, like eight barrel tanks. So we have some like Brett primary beers going right now. We um, have some totes that we would, would fruit in. Um, we have a a, um, a cool ship that we we brewed two batches in this season so far. Uh, we actually brewed a, a spontaneous beer last year, and we tried two days ago yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday yeah. seems tried. like two days. Ago. You did it. We, we, like. <laughs> it tasted. Really good. There is no uh, try. Yeah, 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 do or do not. Yeah, yeah. That's the Tottenham way. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> our motto, but I don't know what the Latin is, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So we our first uh, spontaneous beer we we did actually uh, in the Russian Russian river riverway. You know, mm. like using a mash tun mm-hmm. um, as as essentially the um, the cool ship. Um, but we've this year we we bought a cool ship. Um, and uh, you know, talk and talk. We've done a, a couple of fifteen barrel batches there, but we we tasted a couple of the barrels from from the original batch, and it's it's tasting really really nice and complex. How is the new cool ship working out? Uh, so far, it's it's worked out pretty well for us. We you know we've done two batches, and it's going to take a while for us to actually see the results of those batches. From what I've seen, it's worked out great. Beer started fermenting, doesn't smell horrible. And so I really yeah. hope um, in in a year, two years, it's going to turn out to be great. Do you have it up on the top floor? Or like, what's the location? Uh, right now, it's in like a separate facility, just on the other side of like a garage door. Basically, that separates the building, still within the same building. And we actually will just run a line underneath that little garage door mm-hmm. to knock out into a different room with like a much cooler temperature. We could open up a garage door and get the evening breeze coming in i can't remember if you've ever mentioned jay if you ever it's that if that's in the future plans or anywhere in your thoughts for a rare barrel current we, we have one spontaneous beer going right now and we're going to brew our second year where's the where's the cool ship no we brought it back to our brewery uh we have these totes um stainless steel totes i wouldn't call it a cool ship okay we're not trying on. to be we're trying to be as traditional as possible but not obviously trying that hard <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like other than our current limitations, yeah. So, which is space? You mean? Uh, because it's nowhere. Well, to put no, it. a lot more than that. Just like a lot of maybe if you're doing spontaneous beer, the closest example that I know of um, 
I'm sure there's an American producer doing it, just like we're doing it. But like Tilken, for for example, they'll ferment their spontaneous beer at traditional Lamech brewers around the country, then bring it back the next day, and then they age it and blend it and all that good stuff. Um, we're we're bringing it back and letting it be spontaneous in our space because, um, well, a lot of different reasons, but I think one is also legal. It's a little gray area if you can transport beer like in an open tank and then where is it tax determined? That's kind of the real thing. And so it's going to be a spontaneous beer. Let the yeast fall into it at your place. So it's your beer. You declare tax on it. It's a little more straightforward. So yeah, we have spontaneous beer. Very non-traditional, but as traditional as we can make it. And we'll see how it comes out. And you, Rubens guys, you were just down with the, you have the space now with all these extra leases, and now you, there's room for a cool shit. Yeah, yeah. So, so so last year we we used our smaller breweries at Mashton to, to essentially be a cool ship in inverted commas, to na- inoculate in that. And then, and then ferment in oak. Um, and then now we got a, a core ship this year. Um, we're, we're, yeah, we got, we got six different leases. Like we got lots of little spaces. So it's kind of like a, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a puzzle in itself to know what to do with which, which space. So we have one space because with the new brewery, we just consolidated production in it that was originally in three different locations into essentially one. So that's freed up one, one of the buildings and we've been, Talking about, uh, I think we'll move our sour production into that that space, and that gives us a lot more a lot more capacity. Mm-hmm. Just mental, mental and physical. Yep, <laughs> you know? yep, totally, the floor drain is going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> six leases. It's a business owner's dream. Am I right? Oh, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why we, not? Why not ten? A lot more to get to. Let's take a quick break, though, because we're uh, running low on beers. We'll be right back on the sour hour. What's up, this is Blake from Creature Comforts. You're listening to The Sour Hour on The Brewing Network. Go Atlanta United. <laughs> Love those fans, Jay. That one's for you, Blake. <laughs> the United fans, yeah. He knows what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Shout out to Shaman Creek Brewing. They don't have a football team. <laughs> but... <laughs> Maybe a, maybe a pup team. Maybe a pup team. Two, like, two locations and now kind of uh, there's football there in team. Pennsylvania, but like Philly? Yeah, Philly beer scene, I guess. Eagles? What about the Philly football scene? Go Birds. Uh, ordering beers in Croydon, Pennsylvania since 2012. Proud winners of four Philly beer scene magazine awards for Brew of the Year and only three for Brewery of the Year. That's weird to me. Like, yeah. It's a little who light. won? So here's my follow-up question as co-host of the show. Who won Brewer of the Year the year that they didn't win Brewer the Brewery of the Year? Let's get an answer to that. Okay. I'm Two on time. the edge of my seat, yeah. Jay. <laughs> Two-time GABF Vienna style lager medal winner, 2013 gold, 2016 bronze. Also bronze for smoke lager in 2016 and predicted by me in 2017. They're going to win bronze for smoke lager. That's, I mean, I did predict that. Was one of my greatest That's exactly how your prediction time. sounded. I heard it a lot of times. In Big my ass tap room, 24 beers on tap. 
can't make it a recording, though, hit up a second location in Jenkintown called the Borough Brew House, which features a full menu of twenty full menu and twenty-two beers on tap, including guest taps from local breweries, meaderies, as well as Pennsylvania Center. That's pretty cool. Check them out on shamegreekbrewing.com. I think I have an answer for you. It appears to be Victory Brewing Company. Wow. There you go. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. One of them sponsors the show. Ride or die with Nishamni. Sorry, Victory. Sorry, not Prima sorry. Pills is good, but... It's all, all right. right. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Back with uh, the boys from Rubens Brews. Chris another beer. Oregon Fruit. We do have another beer Yum. open. I don't... Oh, there. The bottle's right in front of me. Pillars of Gold. It's a little different label. What's up with this? Great, uh, great setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all look at each other. Are you going to answer? Yeah, you, yeah. This is Thor's baby. This yeah. One. Uh, so this beer is a beer that I um, came up with. Mm. Something that I cherish and love. You know, it's a it's a Belgian pale at heart, but um, it's been you know conditioned with Brett Brooks. And so uh, something that um, you know there might be a beer out there that um, is very similar to that mm. that mm. Uh, mm. I I really love. And it's mm-hmm. it's a beer that I've always wanted to brew myself. Here it is. Or. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell what it is. This is wonderful. I love this. In fact, I'm going to pour myself a little bit more. We actually brought up uh, Brett, Belgian, Trappist beer in the last uh, Hoppin' Brew School episode that we did, talking about how hops really do influence Brett character in mm-hmm. sour beers. And just look at kind of the classic... Hey, by the way, don't ever come in and out again. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> was asking earlier. He's like, it's cool if I come in and out. <laughs> and on that last show we did, it was not cool. Shout out to Justin for, her, I don't know, just being high stress during it. Yeah, on, on year five and a half, he decides the door is a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, this is a whole side note. Yeah. But also, yeah. maybe you shouldn't miss the doctor's appointment. Anyway. <laughs> Was that what the doctor's appointment was about? Yeah, was apparently. It, uh, stress, stress control. <laughs> anyway, off off the rails. Ooh, but hey, he asked me to come in for the show, so yes. I get to make fun of him. Indeed. So we were talking about uh, that hoppy Belgian pale from a Trappist brewery, and I really think that intense hop bitterness, or adding a lot of hops, even late in a sour beer, drives so much more, or even all of Brett aromatics. Um, and then Minnie talked about biotransformation and how it's overrated in Saccharomyces and really Britannomyces is the yeast that does that the most. So what's been your guys' experience with hops in your sour beer program? It's, it's, we didn't, just for the record, we didn't line this up. Because <laughs> that's like perfect. Because this is the second batch that we, we've done. Mm-hmm. And the first batch, we didn't dry hop at all. We felt that the Brett character needed a little bit more complexity from that. And so uh, we we dry hopped this pretty light, relatively lightly, yeah, um, compared to what we normally normally do <laughs> for non non sour beers, and and that has given a lot more complexity, I think, to the Brett Brett character. So it's mm-hmm. totally, I mean, you read our minds almost, yeah. honestly. I mean, I'm good at my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I say I'd say great. You're great at your job, Jay. Great or the greatest. Let's stick with a great for now. This great's good. Those are the only two options. You're, you're a great expression <laughs> old, of the raw host, Stephen, man. Okay. Stephen Colbert. Uh, sorry. Quick thing. Not political at all. Just when George W. Bush was president and 
very unpopular. He would interview just anyone and be like, so George W. Bush, great president or our greatest president? Those are your two options. And then just Pick obviously one. to someone who is like not going to say either of them. Just like, can I say neither? I, I just, I only have room there's, here. There's for, two options. There's just two just on my one. sheet here. There's <laughs> two places to put. I just, see they're great or greatest. Could you just pick one? And then people just be like, uh, all right, great. Uh, great. <laughs> I, I don't have a vote, so I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm legal, but I don't have a vote, just for the record. Perfect. <laughs> oh, good. good sounds, call. sounds right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, they dragged me out. So our current president is definitely listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be cutting Seeing all this out in your post, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off the rails now. <laughs> so. Britannomyces. <laughs> Bebo is frantically pointing at a wrist like, time, time. Yeah. Now we're doing all right. Hey, so, Thor, how, how long did this take to <laughs> Thank the <you>. condition this? <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you. So it breaks it now. <laughs> yeah. Don't deport me, please. Uh, this has been... <laughs> This has been in bottle. <laughs> yeah, this has been in bottle for about three months now. So, if, relatively young um, for a Brett conditioned pale ale. It's no joke. Super good though. It's I love this. I. It's a criminally small bottle, bottle. for one, <laughs> for how much I sure. want to drink of it. To, to my palate, the hops are there up front, but then they go away immediately, and it's a lot of Brett character. And I remember you t- discussing Orval on, I think, mm-hmm. the last show with, with Andrew from Modern Times, mm-hmm. and being surprised of how how hot forward it was in, in, in Belgium. Yeah. Young, yeah. Right. And like the, the warmer, you know, Brett has taken over version that we get in the States generally, the hops are gone basically entirely, Right. Yes. Okay. So now, will that I'm assuming that will happen to this beer over time. Is that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. We just haven't had that. I think we're kind of going. We're like we're viewing this in the middle of that transformation. Yeah. That's what it's. That's what it tastes like. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. So fresh. The hops on tasting up front are, are more dominant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you, if I wanted to lock in a certain point of that, I want to brew this style. Like, is there a way to lock it in, or it's just going to make the transformation it's going to make? To me, I think it's the long term. The long term is the lock in. So. Mm-hmm. You can taste it along the way, and we're probably having it on the earlier side of the curve now, which I definitely get like a lot of citrus and almost stone fruit kind of fruitiness to this. And I, I would imagine in six months from now, that might be gone, but not to say like there aren't other transformative flavors that replace it. So it's not going to be less flavorful. It's just different and still wonderful, which I know that seems like, oh, you know, kind of a classic sour beer trope is it's always going to get better. But I actually like the thing that to me gets better over time the most, ironically enough, are very heavily hopped mixed culture beers or Brett beers, which is just weird to think about now. I think they, as we talked about on the the Hop and Brew School show, we said, you know, do they have, does it, does it help hops have staying power? And I said, no, because staying power is different from longevity. Like you have flavor longevity and it just changes a lot over time, but it's not necessarily less. It's just transformative, which makes me super excited about this kind of beer. And this is a great example of that. I think that's kind of the fun of, of this style in particular. And I think <clears throat> when you think of kind of its roots, um, you know, talking about Orval in particular, if you go to Belgium and... Wait, oh, you, I, you said Orval. I didn't say that. 
You said that. We'll cut that out. <laughs> but, you know, talking about that kind of beer where if you go to Belgium, you know, often you'll find it on a menu as um, something that you can you, you can buy the, the six-month version of as well as mm. kind of, you know, theoretically, I guess, the fresher version of. But it's it's offered as two products. And that's really interesting because it's like they are very distinct. And that's kind of the fun in terms of uh, for us where it's maybe you either know what you're getting or you don't. And, I, you know, for me, if when you buy certain Belgian beers, you don't always know how it's been handled. You don't know how it's been stored. And it, and it, and it can change so dramatically because of that. But I think for us, we can kind of control that where we're not going to release it till we're happy with it. Mm-hmm. And so then that's something that you can enjoy from that point. Or, yeah, maybe six months in from that point on, it's kind of locked in with maybe that more Brett driven character. And that's awesome. People can kind of ideally if they're if you know, if they're really seeing what we offer and they know the timing of it, they can glom onto what aspect they like the most. If they like it when it's hoppy, they can buy it fresh and they won't store it and they'll drink it and great. Um, I think that's kind of the fun of all of this, right? It's like find what you like for each beer, you know, and, and, and this one I think is it, it kind of has two distinct phases in that regard. How much of the sour and wild beer you guys do is, I guess, kind of stuff that is non-fruited, like we had uh, we had the Goza, we had this beer, but then we had a couple of fruit beers in between. What are, what are you seeing in your mix that you guys like to do, but also what the customer likes to, likes you to do? I would like to make a comment about this beer because what really struck me mm-hmm. about the uniqueness of this beer is the aroma. And I think Jay hit it right on the button when you said transformation, because if I think of this type of beer, this is a great opportunity to educate American craft drinkers about what it really means to have an amazingly complex beer that will change literally month by month. And so as you taste the beer, you're getting all the lusciousness of that we love as hops. But in the aroma, it literally – I looked at Thor and I said – this has got some serious funk to it. Mm-hmm. But then you taste it, and it softens up in your mouth, and the the, the profile towards the end is just, it's the best beer I've Are had tonight. that out to you, Scott? <laughs> I just say put it in your mouth. <laughs> Scott, please. <laughs> just want to shout out the American Homebrewers Association. There's no transition that can work there. I just say put it in your mouth. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion. I just say put it in your mouth. Since 1978, the AHA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hoppy in the world. Put it in your mouth. Providing brewing resources, supporting homebrew-friendly legislation, offering exclusive mouth. member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting I just say one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrewers, Co- uh, National Homebrewers Conference. <laughs> Join your local... Beer loving peers at put it in your mouth. Homebrewersassociation.org. Don't worry, Beeb. I'm going to cut out all that stuff. Wait, just come on. That was yeah, great. Buddy. That, that was, was great. Good. That was so good. The That's podcast the best thing we've ever done. They'll never good. know. They'll never be the never be the wise. They'll never know. AHA will not know. <laughs> Wait, do I have to? Well, maybe. Yeah. No, no. Know. I'll clean it up yeah, for you. Don't worry. Um, so, but I, I think American Homebrewers Association AHA dot. Org seems like inappropriate. Homersassociation.org. <laughs> Isn't it dot .com? Okay. Is it pronounced org? Org. Dot org. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's worth rephrasing your, not rephrasing, but just re- reiterating the question, because I, I only wanted Chris to not pay, because it was going to be a fruitless question. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, double you meaning. You can't rival Jay with those. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> fruit, lacking fruit. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you asked him, yeah, and I wouldn't really was, get an answer. I think yeah. it was, what was the breakdown yeah. of fruit to non-fruit? Because I, and just to preface, uh, you know, everyone wants fruit beer. And I just think sometimes it's the, you know, less sought after styles that are sometimes the, the brewer's beers that are just expressions of, you know, yeast, malt, water, hops, instead of expression of the raw fruit. Easy to use. Convenient to store. store. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you, what's the breakdown yeah, yes. for your guys' beers? Yeah. So, yeah. I think what you're saying is like, like, Fruit can sometimes overwhelm, you know, if, you, if, it's, if it's not in balance with the rest of the beer. Right. Um, so, uh, in so we have a, a kettle sour series that is, we can, and uh, one of the four beers in that series is non-fruity, and that's the Goza that we had mm-hmm. earlier. In our sort of wild program, we have uh, Pillars of Gold. We have, which in terms of volume has been, you know, it's a, it's a relatively quicker turn beer. So we, we tend to have that on, on tap more often than not. This batch actually is the first time that we've poured this second batch of it, right? Yeah. Because it, it's not even on in our tap room right now, and you've got it in the hop grenade as well. So The what? The Greater Brewing Network Studios kegerator. Yeah, never heard. Yeah, what? Jay's, there's distribution laws and oh. nonsense, and Jay's convinced California. he still can't. Yeah, it's in California. I am convinced. I, he thinks that we can't say he can't say I, where oh, his beer is on unless you oh, bribe a, a, a state official or something. Even is, if you're is that a foreigner? The no, I have to bribe if you're college admissions. <laughs> college admissions. Got it. Got it. No, if you're a foreigner, I think all Shout is out fine. Let's see happen. They don't understand my accent, right? Um, I've been asked if my am I Russian? That's that was a no. Good one. Nobody asked. What is what is my what is my native language? Is the are, best you a, are you a bot? Are you a bot? You're obviously a bot. Yeah, yeah bot. <laughs> Are you yeah, What is my native language? I had, uh, to, I had to ask my wife to respond to that one because it's like, wow, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> I've lost my trail of thought now. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Typical foreigner <laughs> losing yeah, his train yeah. of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, Pillars Gold, and then we have a, a, what we call Tropical Funk, which is a 100% Brett primary IPA. Uh, like In terms of the volume of beer that we've released, those are... The, the predominant amount we've released um, guava and uh, boysenberry Britannia, and we also have a couple of fresh fruit beers, um, tart cherries and uh, peaches that are that are still aging out and getting ready to release. So fifty fifty? No, it's probably right right now in terms of the the, the total volume is probably like seventy five twenty five right of, of non fruited. 75 non-fruit. Yeah, mostly non-fruit. And most of our stock. So uh, right now we're building up. Keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's like customers want fruit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and, um, you know, rightfully so, you know. I think it helps sour beer as a category, right, because a lot of the fruits can align to hot profiles. Now, we talk about guava, right, like Mm -hmm. citra. Yeah. and, And that can open the category in a more broad sense, which I think can do us all, all good, and um, it's, a, it's another lever to play with, right? All, all of all of our, as a brewer, all of your tools are levers that you can, mm-hmm. can use. And in in sour beer, like I, with the boysenberry one, and we haven't really talked about it, but like the pectin body that comes from the fruit gives it, even though it's got like zero gravity left, it gives it some body, even though it's dry, right? Yeah. It, it gives it some body to sort of support 
the flavor profile as a whole. And I think that's why fruit and sour beer works together so well. Because mm-hmm. it gives the, the pectin, <clears throat> gives, it, gives it a nice body to, to balance it. I recommend the mango for that, for sure. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Yum. <laughs> Be- because the public loves fruit and fruited mm-hmm. sours, have you ever thought about saying something is fruited when it isn't? Like the hu- it's like so pineapple-y, and you're just like, hey, pineapple sour on tap number two. So I was uh, down in Orange County in the last few days and hanging out with some old friends. And I so I used to live there and, and brew beer at the brewery. And um, I was talking with uh, our friend Jeremy from Brewery Chiru. He uh, he and I were discussing that, you know, they're about to be 12 or 13 years old now, which is absolutely insane. But we started a, I say we, not me at all, but the brewery started a 12 Days of Christmas beer series for their winter seasonal over time. And I asked him, hey, are we going to redo Partridge in a Pear Tree, which is obviously the first in that series. And uh, I reminisce that that beer was brewed before my time, but... Um, it was like a, a Belgian quad that was like a 10% beer. And uh, people would constantly comment that, uh, oh, I love the pear character in this beer. It's like absolutely no pear. It's just called partridge in a pear tree. But, uh, Power of suggestion. Yeah. And uh, so that, that just reminded me of that, is that we didn't have to say that, but it was in the name. So uh, people infer. They... they See what they want to see. Yeah, yeah, they taste what they Definitely. think they taste. Yeah. yeah, makes sense to me. Unless you had Oregon fruit, because then it's just great expression on the raw fruit. No, easy to use. No additives. Yeah, love working with brewers to help us innovate. <laughs> love you. Jay. Check them out for brewing.com. They bring food to life from the heart. No text. That was we. Uh, no I reading still want anything. that text. But <laughs> by the way, we haven't done Matt's text again. Uh, yeah, let's tease it because we, we, we got we got one more beer and one more segment and a question. Well, can you give me your phone? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'll pull that up. So my, my kids always ask for our phones. They always want to play on our phones. That would be the most, like, uh, you know, cop-out parenting tech tactic ever. And I use here, it here kid, <laughs> just play on the thing. Wait, you, how many kids do you have, Scott? They're Zero. all sitting out there playing on their phones. You don't see them? <laughs> Zero, yeah. Give them a few years. I got friends with kids, man. I see what they do. Screw this guy. Just play on I'm your phone. I'm thinking something short and like this. I'm going to This question beer. and all questions brought to you by Dr. Lambic of SourBeerBlog.com. Check out SourBeerBlog for in-depth articles on brewing and blending sour beer. And now you can criticize parenting techniques just like Scott <laughs> and taste Dr. Lambic's beers in person by visiting Melamink Brewing in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Melamink Brewing, melamink.com. I'm only judging a little. I, to be fair, they're just using the calculator. Either just text you. Never mind. I'm staying. <laughs> you really jumped to, you yeah. jumped to Netflix. You jumped to Bevo says, YouTube. never mind. I'm staying. Oh, good. We can do more information. It's like, remember you used to use the calculator to write the word boobless? That's, okay, that's where I was going, but you know what? <laughs> I knew where you were going, fine, brother. Fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's do this one from Brian Farrell. We'll and tease we're it. This. Yeah, yes, we are. Uh, this is a question uh, about horse blanket character and uh, what happened to Brian's horse blanket character? He doesn't know. What happened to it? Where did it go? All right, we'll be right back to answer that question and more on the Sour Hour. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Hour.com. Hey, my brothers and sisters. 
This is Jamel Zanishow, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. You're seeing what tomorrow or on Friday? On Friday, we're going to go to see uh, Party Wave Day. Collab with Party Wave Day? Yeah. <laughs> Only Party Wave. <laughs> we're back. Final, final sake. Final segment. Episode 101. A lot of beers today. Party wave dead! Party wave dead! Party wave dead! Back with Ruben's Brews and Oregon Fruit. We have uh, the beer that's on tap now. What is what is this? What's in our glass? Uh, yeah, so uh, Tart Cherry Vice. Um, so uh, this is kind of a start of a kind of building out of a series for us of, of kind of like core kettle sour beers that we have on throughout the year. So um, Goza's now kind of fit into one section of that, and then we have Tarcherry Vice, we have uh, Rasmataz, and uh, what's the last one? Holiday Goza. Holiday Goza, there you go. So, um, and Tarcherry Vice, as you can imagine, is uh, primarily uh, Tarcherries. Um, and so we use our, our Berliner Vice base um, and then do basically um, a, a box of uh, uh, fruit puree, Per barrel, which is like forty-two pounds per barrel for that, um, which is quite a bit. And um, uh, often we, uh, well, we've recently discovered that we need to keep that into account when we do yields uh, and not overflow our tanks uh, when we need to actually add it in. Um, so fruit, keep that in mind. Good. That <laughs> is, is good. It's a lot of volume, so um, definitely keep that in mind. But yeah, so um, you know, definitely. Uh, something that we're kind of just getting into right now of, of kind of um, getting these into cans and getting these into, uh, you know, our, our, our market out there. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll let Adam kind of jump into the specifics of the beer. Yeah, yeah. so the, it's the same same lactose strain that came from my house mm-hmm. <laughs> all those years ago. Carboy strain. Yeah, carboy strain. <laughs> we just call it Adam. That's it. <laughs> and then talk crap about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, you know, very clean Berliner using our kill sour process. But we put this in in cans. Um, we have a, we have a, we have a um, one of our major sort of annual seri- uh, can lines is a sour series. So we used to have that as Goza all year round, and then in the tap room with our twenty four different beers on tap, we would like be playing with different things. So holiday Goza was one idea, a, a cranberry orange version. 
So we've reduced the coriander down, put some uh, uh, sweet orange in and uh, coriander, again, from Oregon Fruit Products. I can't remember the rest of the spiel, sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> I know about put it in your mouth. Easy <laughs> to use, convenient to store. That was your outside voice. <laughs> yeah, so that was like one that we did as, as, as we got uh, a limoncello is, an, is another one. Yeah, which is a, in, like a imperial goza with, with, with lemon that is a, is a nice variant. We, we just, the, the idea of our, of our tap rooms is to try lots of different things. And you know, experiment, experiment, try different things, and then see if if people like that, right? And so, Tart Cherry Vice was one that uh, Thor and I did years and years ago, right? It's been quite a while, yeah. Yeah, and we and we did just like individual keg versions mm-hmm. of this, oh, and yeah. people really really liked it. So then we scaled it to uh, ten barrels, barrels. scaled it to thirty barrels, mm-hmm. and was that a ninety we did last time or thirty uh, sixty? We, we did more than what we had because literally the yield was like 92%, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> no, it, was a, it was 100 plus percent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. I mean, you got to give us credit. No, yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a 60 barrel the last time we did it. Chris credit for that. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Turns out fruit volume, real volume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The last round was the 60 at the new brewery. So, yeah, that, it was a big a big step for us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we actually got more beer out than, than cooled in wort. Oh, yeah. the, the beer gods love that. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. And how you guys have done now so many beers? What what have been just overall some of the big parts of your process that you've improved upon over time that you think have been like just made the biggest difference in improvements in your beer quality? You know, I guess in, in terms of this beer specifically, we've been looking at ways to make sure that we can really incorporate that fruit as easily and i guess as effectively as possible and, and a lot of that has been like pump rousing as we add it um so we add you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds of fruit through the dry hop port which you know hopefully is at least five to six inches on our tanks but sometimes it's three or even smaller depending on some and we have one and a half inch on some and so it can be a challenge and and getting all of that in is step one and then we'll essentially close everything up and then just um, you know use the sanitized pump rig and and just um, go from the bottom and recycle back through the racking arm and and basically just make sure everything gets really incorporated and and we do that we've been kind of experimenting with doing that over multiple days or doing that over over kind of one charge and for a beer like this we're doing that kind of at the at the high krausen stage because we want to get you know fermentation complete we don't want this to be something where it's um, you know going late fermentation and then it's having you know say diacetyl or vdk issues later on so that's been kind of a big kind of production thing that we've been looking at is how do we get the most fruit flavor as effectively as possible so I, that's been like lately that's been the biggest thing for how sure. do you get so much clarity out of the spirit it's just stunningly clear it's gorgeous i i think for lately it's at time i mean we biofine but yeah, not, that's you know we don't filter for this beer. Uh, we have filtered for some of our fruit beers, but you know uh, sometimes the pectin can kind of um, definitely gum that up. You know, literally. But for this, yeah, just just biofining time and and just making sure we feel good about that at packaging time. It's stunning. And one thing we've learned over time, I have to give a big shout out to James because um, he joined us two two years ago. And um, <laughs> he, dr- drinking at the time, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say up. the exact yeah, amount yes. of days. No, exact- yeah, li- just a little under two years, yeah, almost, <laughs> almost, yeah, uh, one month away. And yeast health—that's all I have to say—is um, so many off flavors in in any beer, commercial or otherwise, is around yeast health. And 
he's really brought to us a big focus on on quality of ferment and it's um you know pitch rates when we harvest and it's been really really focused on that and that to me in the you know six six and a half years old that we are i think that's what's really changed now and to the point where you can almost tell the generation of a yeast and i really appreciate him for for doing that yeah yeah I, I think it's on the record <laughs> yeah, yeah all right thank you <laughs> when the review comes around yeah there you go yeah i mean i think i think a big thing is you know knowing knowing your fermentations in terms of you know when you're getting to that tail end that yeast if it can come out it wants to come out and no no yeast wants to hang out in a co2 environment with no sugar and i think that's really key for for brewing on any level whether that's production brewing sour brewing um it, it's it's not doing you any favors to keep that yeast in in uh for a lot of beer styles um and just keeping that in mind and and knowing that if you want to kind of keep things healthy going forward it's hard to pull out from kind of a spiral downhill and you'll see that generation after generation um so you know that's definitely a, a big thing is if if you can get yeast out get it out uh, and use it as early as you can if if it is down there because it's not you know on, on a professional level it's a, if it's in the cone it's not it's not doing anything other than dying so you know something to keep in mind did we tease out a question before the break and never pay it off sounds like me it does sound like you and we definitely did yeah yes let's do that now <laughs> yes let's do it yes uh, we did Brian Farrell's question kinda it was about his horse blanket and where uh, it went. Yeah. I'm a big fan of horse blanket and barnyard aromas and sour beer, but I'm just not getting any in my long-age sour goldens. I've got a good pipeline of about a dozen one-gallon jugs at various ages, all golden ales. He says, see the Rare Barrels golden recipe. So I think he's using your old question mark base recipe. Same one. Correct. Or Saison-type malt bills. They are tasting really good. All have Brett as well as Lacto and Pedio pitched into secondary. And I've mostly been using Brett blends from uh, TYB, uh, Amalgamation and Beersel. East Bay. East Bay, yep. Uh, as well as uh, White Labs, Brooks, and Lambicus. All of my beers are primary with sack only, usually a Belgian strain like uh, 550. So after primary, there are lots of spicy phenolics, which I was hoping would be converted into the barnyard aromas by the Brett. Most of these beers are starting primary around 13.5 and finishing at 2.5. In parentheses, he has the, the OG conversions. So he's, he's for you for you pros in here, he's, he knows his audience. Um, I do get some very slight funk when I am tasting these beers, but it is more musty than anything else. Uh, and no barnyard or horse blanket. Interestingly, I did get some fantastic horse blanket aromas from a two-week-old Brett starter culture that went into about a 10:30 starter wort. Should I be doing something different? Will I be? Ne- will I need to wait for those farmyard Brett aromatics to kick in during bottle conditioning without doing anything else? Should I try co-pitching the Brett in primary with a sack strain, or maybe make a Brett saison? It's, he goes on with. He doesn't know what he should do. Basically, it's one of the best emails that's ever been written. I think right there. Why is that? Well, just because he went, he gave so much detail. He or she, who was. Uh, his name is Brian. Brian. Yeah. I guess he. So, so much detail to where, as you were doing, you, you went on with the email and. Uh, There's more. <laughs> you know, well, I stopped. It was just like, well, that was my that was my first suggestion. That, that was my second. For me to stop. No, no, no. Third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was just like he, he had been working on this uh, along the way. Yeah. The barnyard, that that is, um, I would think, different bread strains. Uh, lots of hops. Also, 
morphinolic primary fermentation yeast. It sounds like you went through all that. And it's funny that you say that the one thing that you did get it in was the two week old starter. And I don't try to drive barnyard aromatics in the beer. I think Brett aromatics, that's a general, that's an umbrella term, but I kind of like more of the, the fruity, intriguing aromatics. We had the uh, pillars of gold earlier. That was a good example of that. Not barnyardy, but very Brett forward. Um, I don't know if people consider Orval to be Barnyard to me, that's no. like classic Britannomyces yeah. or clean. Clean Brett. So what I would do is bottle condition with Brett because you had that fleeting Brett aromatic young at two weeks. You want to capture that, take that strain and do like a Belgian pale ale, bottle condition with Brett and see if you can capture it in the bottle because it might just be blowing off at a younger age. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, did he say that he was... Using many hops? I, I didn't... He yeah. doesn't mention hops anywhere in this season. Really? Oh, I thought he did. Did so, he? Did I miss it? So maybe dry hopping a little bit? To, oh, yeah. Uh, if he didn't mention before. that, then yes. He, he didn't. The only thing he says is that he's using your golden golden base recipe, which... More hops. More hops. More hops. Bravo. <laughs> is something I never thought I'd heard you <laughs> say. That was yeah. never. That was never like the advice you would have given on advice number two, episode number two. Well, you know? we're both a lot better. We've evolved. Scott. Yeah, welcome so to one hundred and one. <laughs> made it. Oh yeah, it's one hundred and one. Right, this is sour beer one hundred and one. So <laughs> episode. Oh. All right. Well, thank you. Else, yes. Thank yes. you, Brian. That's more hops. I'm. I'm sorry. Maybe I just inferred that, but uh, more hops and then uh, bottle condition with bread. So do that later. There or, you I go. mean earlier. Trap it. Uh, yeah, thank you for the Brian's out there in Frisco, Texas. He had just visited uh, not I think it was, California. Not, everyone. not California. He was he was uh, don't call it Frisco. He was I don't know if he was writing us like on the way to or from Jester King. He was like, oh, I'm visiting Jester King. So thank you for uh, shooting us the email, Brian. We appreciate Thanks. it a lot. Good luck with your beer. And I think we have you want to end on your final question. Yes, I do. Uh, I'd like to ask everyone in the room, starting with Chris, what's the biggest mistake in sour beer making? Not ordering organ fruit. I just say put it in your mouth. <laughs> Is that the mistake? <laughs> Not in my book. <laughs> That's funny. Is that a real question? <laughs> That's the question. Well, uh, as far as I can tell, there are no wrong things to do in sour beer making. As long as you make one that is palatable and that has the desired outcome of the brewer who wrote the recipe. And if it has fruit, great. If it doesn't have fruit, fantastic. But I think that the sour beer category, in my mind, is one of the up-and-coming categories that can turn a ton of people on to beer in general. So make more of it, please. Make make more good versions of yes, it, yes, please. Yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, I think to that point, um, similarly. Scott, um, will you move the mic a little closer? Just for, for just for, God, just for Boston. No, no, just, I think it's plenty close. I'm going to kiss I just, it. I just right wanted here. it one Scott's more time. Scott's head just exploded. I just wanted you to touch your beard in the mic. Put your beard in the mic. That's it. Rub it. Rub it. I think um, kn- knowing knowing your beer um, and knowing when um, when your beer has gone too sour, I think mm. is, is kind of like a big mistake. You're tasting things that are just too acidic. Too too very very acidic. Almost. What do you do? Just then? vinegar. I, I probably would just want to serve it. Then what do you do with it? Mm. I just say put it in your mouth. <laughs> Even if it's too acidic, come on, Chris. It just seems like at a certain point. <laughs> Okay, this is a really weird segue, but I want to tell you this. 
If you read Michael Jackson's book, not that Michael Jackson, he said that the most refreshing beer in the world is Rodenbach, which is a sour beer. He so. likes the Grand Cru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also pretty sour. Yeah. James. What else? <laughs> Biggest mistake. Uh, you know, so I guess going in, on, along the same lines as Thor is, is kind of like, I think being willing to say no to a barrel, being willing to say no to something you've been sitting on and working on and slaving over and put so much work into and realizing you can't blend it out, you can't feel good about having it go out there. I think that's super important for the health of the industry in general, for the health of sour beer in general, is to not burn anyone. You know, putting down hard-earned money on awesome, awesome beer and to get something that isn't great. And it, it, it behooves all of us to, to just be honest with ourselves and, and feel like we've done the best we can and when we haven't, try it again and go to the next barrel and feel willing to just dump things when we need to and not just put it in our mouths. I think it's really <laughs> – I think that's my thesis here. And I guess you could say – Touche. You know. <laughs> I think you just said it way better than <laughs> It's just – clearly it's just antithetical to put it in your mouth. Yeah. It's the opposite. <laughs> Adam? Can't top that. No, I can't top that. Um, so – Ghostbers. Uh, Put it in your mouth. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> so, so in, in in I've listened to many of this podcast, and I've thought about this this question for a, a lot. Um, in my mind, let's go back to when I first moved to this country in 2004. IPAs was kind of starting. It was like an IBU arms race, right? We were we were trying to make I, IPAs as bitter as we could because that was what we thought. Was was a defining character that what IPA should be. I think we're getting over the the crest of this now, but like certainly, I think in terms of mouth puckering sourness, that's not what sour beer is. This balance should be balanced in every beer and balanced in an IPA. I think we're seeing now IPAs softening that bitterness, right? And we're talking about like like fruit forward characters in in IPAs, and we don't have to be enamel, enamel stripping in a, in a sour beer. And we're trying to. We're coming back into that. We still got to get a lot further back, a lot further to the to the balance side. You know, sounds a bit like Star Wars, but um, you know, <laughs> that, I think that's that's the issue. We we shouldn't pull too too hard in puckering sourness. Agree that you just you stick your hand out and then the lightsaber just comes toward yeah. you. There's no pull. The, the glass. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's a different version of, you know, be able to be honest with yourself with when your beer is too acidic. And also, don't attempt to make your beer too acidic. It's mm-hmm. like not too acidic, either purposeful or not. Compare it to a poker strategy. I get it. You just don't want to be overly aggressive. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. just in there raising and going all in all the time, I mean, it seems good because, like, aggression wins, but you're going to get burned if you Without don't choose your sun, spots carefully. and being pot committed. Yeah, I see that. All, you do see that a lot, though. You it's really like, do. It's like, oh, well, time, I just, time, I, time our chips. I've already got three quarters of my stack in, in. I guess I just have to now call off the rest of it, except I, for you have to stay alive. You, you know you're you not know, good. I'm too sour here, but I've... Spent all this but time, all. but you chips. know you're not good. So now you're going to burn the last twenty percent, even though you know you're Why torching. You you're torching. Stop, it. Stop Stop torching. It. Live to fight another day. I fold, fold, yeah. just fold. It feels bad, man, but you can just fold. Good enough to call, good enough to raise. All right. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> check, check, check. All night, all chick. Night.
He trapped me! All right, thanks to our guest. <laughs> Got to get out of here with a uh, rounder's ref. Thank you so much to Ruben Spruce in the house. Thanks, and, and for coming Thank down. Thanks for having us. Love the beer so much to Chris. Thanks, Jace. Thanks for the, the best Thank sound you, drop we've ever had. <laughs> so far. Thanks to Bevo. I just say put it in your mouth. Love Bevo. Wow, that's inappropriate. Thanks, on, to Scott. Thanks to the listeners. Until next time, stay sour. I just say put it in your mouth.